this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, a woman who marries her cat to keep her landlord happy. Plus, Sue's dog, Tucker, isn't as cuddly as he used to be. And Rat in the Kitchen star Natasha Leggero joins us. Brand new cooking show Thursday nights on TBS. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob and Ronnie, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, got a little Sue's news for it. Got a, got anything weird stuff floating around out there on the internet? As Johnny would say, weird, weird, wild stuff. <laughs> there, um, there's Sue the impressionist. <laughs> um, so we're we're pet lovers, dog lovers. Yes, we right? are. You do anything for your dog, right? Anything, anything. Okay. So uh, a woman in London <laughs> has married her cat. Oh, God. To stop her landlord from forcing her to give up the cat. Like uh, It's like a pet, no pet uh, situation, right? Yeah. Said, all right. So she actually married her cat in order to stay in the building. Now, is the landlord buying this? interspecies marriage well i guess there's really nothing you could do about it i mean she had a ceremony <laughs> she had a non-denominational uh minister and um she had the cat you know dressed in a tuxedo <laughs> and uh i think she's in a mental hospital right yeah, now. <laughs> she should be she so she's not even be. she's not even living in her house anymore Wait a minute, she's not living in her house no i'm kidding i'm oh, kidding okay so it, was, so the, she was the taken away did work it worked yeah. Yeah. I mean, why marry a cat when you can marry a dog? That was my first thought. Why marry a cat when you can marry a dog? Well, you know, it's it's twofold. Apparently, if if cats really do have nine lives, you better really love that cat a lot because oh, yeah. it's going to be around a long <laughs> it's time. not going anywhere. Good point. Good point. Yeah. No, I was uh, I saw a survey last week that said 33 percent of pet owners uh, would take their pet over their spouse. And I'm like, well, that's sad. It's <laughs> really sad, but I, I get it. I guess. I mean, I wouldn't give up. Well, it would be an impossible choice. Well, I mean, I remember there was a show, remember me or the dog. Yes. It was a reality show yep. where people were in a relationship with somebody who wasn't into their pet. Like, like they, they kind of, the, they they end they um, entered a relationship with someone who already had a pet, oh, so the person it. had to decide um, either me or their dog. <laughs> oh wow, wow! And some people chose the dog. Did oh they did? Well, I yes. get that. Well, also like I I remember. I mean, I, I don't get that. Just in case Juan is listening, but I get that. <laughs> but you get it. Like I remember when I first started dating Tom, 
I had a dog. I had Sam, who I mm-hmm. rescued in New York. And I mean, that dog more than anything uh, was like my life. So I remember the first time he stayed over, mm-hmm. the dog um, hopped on the bed and, you know, slept on the bed. Oh, this is so funny. And he had no reaction or anything. And he was totally cool with it. And if he was not cool with the dog being on the bed, that would have been a really big problem. And I was crazy about Tom. Yeah, right, right. But that would have been a major problem for me in my relationship. Well, I'll tell you this story. So I had a similar story. Uh, the first night uh, Juan slept over at my house, I had at that point, I had a pup named Hollis. I remember uh, Hollis. Good, good boy. Really good boy. <laughs> um, and uh, he jumped up on the bed and, and Juan looked at me and said, your dog's on the bed. I'm like, yeah, that's where my dog sleeps. That's, that's where, where he my belongs. Dog stays. You know what? You know what? You're on the bed too. One <laughs> <laughs> had never slept in, you know, with a dog on the bed. He adjusted very quickly mm-hmm. because look at the grand prize right here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so he adjusted, but he first time he'd ever slept in bed with a dog, which I think that's like the best place for dogs. They're so yeah. nice in bed. Oh, it's so cuddly. Yeah, it's so nice. Like I get upset because because my dog Tucker is not the warmest dog in the world. So what do you mean? Well, like like Charlie and my other dogs, you would say, come on, come here, boy. And I would spoon all my dogs. Yes. yes. I never had to coax them with anything. They just would come on the bed and, you know, sleep in between Tom and I or or just let me like hold them, you know. Sure. For hours. Tucker. He sleeps on the foot of the bed or the ottoman. And um, and like it's weird because when we first got him, he was, you know, he was like two years old. He always came up and and slept like by the pillow. Sometimes he would go underneath the blanket. Right. Um, but he would always be right with us. And within the last probably like four or five years, he's 15 and a half. He just he's 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 a little cold and um, I'll I'll bring him up like in the morning. I'll pick him up and I'll you know bring him up to me and he squirms like he'll stay there for like a, like two minutes. Yeah. And then he squirms to get away. And, you know, I'll always I look at him and I'm like, what is better than this? I mean, I'm holding you. I'm rubbing your belly. I'm scratching you. I mean, if anybody grabbed me to do that, that I would like loved, you know, I'd be like, don't stop. Sure. Sure. I just and 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 I really don't like it. I'm like, I'm kind of pissed off at him for being that way. It sounds like he may not be that into you anymore. Have you thought about (laughs) Have you thought about that? You know, I mean, it it's is, been 15 and a half years. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's, life, it's, run, you know? it's run its course. <laughs> I've had enough of Sue. Well, you know what it is. And, and we totally, <laughs> we totally ruin this dog yeah. because he is so into food and he's so transparent. It's like, he'll, he'll look at me yeah. and all he wants is food because we give him food. Yes. And now I got the new thing where I let him lick the, uh, the plate after I'm done. Oh yeah. So now he stares at me while I'm eating. He can't wait for me to be done so he can lick the plate. And he, like, I know, like, this, what's going on in his head. If he could talk, he'd be like, are you, are you done yet? Like, <laughs> are you, are you, you know, it's, it's like, it's like Diner, Paul Reiser's character. It's like, you're going to, you're going to finish those. Fr- you're going to finish it. You can, can I have those fries? He is all about food. And, yeah. and now when he comes to me, it's all about food. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with, oh, you're home. I, I missed you. It's like, 
Do you have, do you have something to eat? Right. It's a transactional relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a little sad. It is sad. Although I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I mean, our dogs get treats all day long. And Juan will say it's time for their 730s. So their 730s are these chicken strips, right? So at 730, they get chicken strips. They only get the chicken strips at that hour. At that hour. Yes. Okay. But the 730s now come out at 530. So the 730s are now the 530s. So we've had to come up with something else, a cookie or uh, a cookie for the 730. So now there's a strip, chicken strip at 530 and a cookie at 730. And then they're 930 cookies. So they're on some sort of weird clock that I am. I don't understand how it works. I just randomly give them treats. But Juan's got like specific times. You know, oh, well, Tom, you know, Tom, this is what he introduced into the relationship with Tucker. So now, right before we go to bed, which, you know, Tom likes to get into bed around nine o'clock because he gets up really early. Um, Tucker follows him all around the house because he knows he's going to get a treat. Right. And this is to get Tucker to come into the bedroom. So he he comes in and he always has like a treat like in his in his in his pocket. And Tucker jumps on the bed, sits there, stares, sniffs his pocket, just sniffs all around Tom looking for the cookie. And Tom will take like, it's like a small little cookie and yeah. he holds it tight in his, in his fingers yeah. and, and kind of makes Tucker work for it. <laughs> like it won't give him the whole thing. So he kind of like bites it and bites it and bites yeah, it and yeah. bites it, you know, until he gets it. And then he's, he still looks around and stares at him like, that's it. And he goes and sits on the ottoman. Yeah, well, he'll sit and on, says, sit have on, a good night. Know, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't. Yeah, and yeah, no warmth no, there anymore. No, 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 thank you. No, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we'll have to ask our guest about uh, dogs uh, since since that's the uh, conversation here. Our guest is a stand-up comic, an actor, a host. She was a regular panelist on Ch- Chelsea Lately. She was a judge on Last Comic Standing. She's a regular on all the Comedy Central roasts, including one hilariously for Justin Bieber. Her credits go on and on and on. Her latest project is Rat in the Kitchen, a new kind of cooking show. It airs Thursday nights on TBS. Natasha Legero is here. Natasha, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. So we're definitely going to talk about Rat in the Kitchen, but I, I just, you're you're part of this cool group of comics that you, Chelsea Handler and Amy Schumer and Sarah Silverman, uh, for me, you seem like one of the one of the cool kids. Are you one of the cool kids? Mm, I don't really see myself like that, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I was never one of the cool kids. I was always like not into the mainstream, but then just had my own friends. So that's kind of how I see myself, I guess. I mean, comedians are pretty cool. Comedians are generally cool. You're right. Generally cool. Or at least they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also, a, a, you know, goes through different waves. I did stand up. You you came after me. I, I started stand up in like 1980 and did it until like the beginning of 2000, probably up until like 2005 and, you know, went in a different direction. Still kind of dabbled in it, but really I've stopped doing it. I've definitely seen you on stage. Oh, okay. So, you know, when I started doing stand up, there wasn't really like a separation of like kind of like like people like Sarah 
or people like Amy, people like you. Um, it, 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 it didn't, it, there wasn't like a separation of a type of comedian. There was just comedians. And then it kind of changed. And, you know, with, with Judd Apatow and, and more like spoken, the spoken 90s, word. Like Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo uh, kind of started that show, way. And it kind yes. of sprung, you know, gave birth to the alternative comedy scene, which lucky for me, you know, I came up in like 2002 and that's kind of right at the, you know, right as that was all getting started and we had comedy death ray and, which is now comedy bang bang, but now it's kind of defunct. It doesn't really exist, you know, as a show, just as a podcast. But um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, if I start thinking about that time, I get kind of sad. Well, in, in what way? Just because I miss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with COVID now, um, it's, you know, you just kind of got used to not going up for two years. So just finding your bearings now for me has been, you know, a little bit of a challenge. What's it like to go back up now? You know, the feeling of being on stage is great, but it's the getting there. The like talking yourself like out of your house and like having to put on shoes and having to like go through crazy traffic and find a parking spot and like deal with masks and testing and you know there's like and then could I get sick and can I bring a sickness home to my child and then god forbid getting on an airplane like there's just (laughs) so much around it all and then like having to stay in a hotel where there's no window that opens and being away from my family because now I'm also a mom so it's like you know the onstage part is amazing but it's just like everything that leads up to it has like more heaviness (laughs) than it used to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had stopped doing it for like 10 years and got talked into going back on stage and I wasn't going to do it because I hadn't done it in so long. And it was like, oh, my act isn't relevant anymore. But the thing that I missed more than, and, and I still miss is hanging out in the clubs back in the day. Cause that's what Mm -hmm. I did every night. Even if I didn't have a set, that's what you did. And that's a built-in social scene. It's a built-in social scene and it still exists kind of, but now it's like, you kind of want to just do your set and get out. I mean, the green room, I had COVID, so I don't really care anymore, but I know before, (laughs) I mean, it's not that I don't care, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not afraid now that I'm going to bring it home to my toddler who's unvaccinated. So now, you know, you kind of just do your set and leave. But yes, comedy had this real like built in social scene that was very fun because everyone's got something to say. You know, comedians are dark and funny and they're like the diffusers. And if there's, you know, anything crazy that's happening, they have the funniest take on it or anything sad that's happened. They also have a funny take on that. I mean, it's, I really love comedians and I feel like very grateful that I've got to be around them my whole life. I mean, obviously not all of them, but you know, (laughs) and you're, and you're, excuse me, Steve, and you're, and you're married to a comedian, um, Mm -hmm. most cash, cashier. The thing is that 
I dated a comedian for like 16 years and people would always, people who weren't in show business would say to me, oh God, it must be like hysterical at your house all the time. Like I was married to like Mo Howard or something, you know, it was like. I don't know who that is, but. Okay, the three, the three, well, the three stooges. So (laughs) it was like I was married to like, you know, some knucklehead who, you know, every time he would say, you know, look at this and like poke my eyes out or something like that. And I said, yeah, it's, I said, it's, it's fun, but I'm married to a guy now who's just very, very funny. Cause I, I could never ever be with somebody who's not funny. Could you ever, were you ever, did you ever date anybody who wasn't funny? Uh, yes, yes, I have. And it sucks, but you know, I think I used to put funny at like such a high premium you know, maybe next time around, I would put like some other qualities at the top, like uh, cleans up after themselves or something. But, you know, uh, doesn't start DJing when they're 40. Um, you know, there's there's but, you know, comedy is kind of everything and sharing a worldview and looking at the world, you know, being able to like agree on things and, you know, and make each other laugh, of course. So it's it's and it's important. So I drove by, I think it was the comedy store uh, on uh, over the weekend, and there was a sign up uh, that said "Protect Our Comics." And this is in light of what happened with Chris Rock, what happened with Dave Chappelle. Do you think that's a that's a? I mean, obviously those are two incidents. Do you think comics when you're on stage, do you feel different now? You know, I've only had two shows in the past. <laughs> four months. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel okay, but you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a challenging time. So you get invited to do a roast and I love these things. Um, and you did a couple of them. You did the Justin Bieber roast among others. Um, how do you set up, how do you create a set for a roast? Well, you know, it takes a lot of going up and honing and honing, you know, hopefully you have like at least three weeks or something and you just kind of weed out the ones that aren't like killing and, you know, just try to get it as tight as possible. And then they also let you know if something steps on someone else's joke, cause you know, it's like they're submitting you jokes and it's, you just want to make sure that your set is as tight as possible, at least for me, like as tight as possible. And also, you know, also people, it's funny because you can see what, who other comedians don't like. Cause when you're doing a roast and people know who's on it, other comedians will start sending you jokes about the other comics. <laughs> 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 They're like, Oh, you really thought this about that person. And is there any line when you're doing a roast? You know, I did a, the last roast I did was like four or maybe over four years ago. And I just like, that's not exactly where I'm at anymore. So I probably wouldn't do one again. In fact, I, I know I wouldn't because they've asked me to. And I said, no. Um, so yeah, the line for me is maybe now that I have a kid, I don't really want to go there because as a woman, you know, they're just going to say, you're either like a slut or an old hag. And then, you know, they'll make fun of the kid. And so, because it's like, it's, and then, if you're a man, you're a rapist. It's like, everything's like the most base thing. So now that I have a kid, I think I just don't really want to go there. All right. So let's talk about uh, rat in the kitchen on TBS, which uh, is a new kind of spin on cooking show. Describe 
Describe the scenario that, that exists here. Um, so Rat in the Kitchen is sort of like a whodunit, you know, knives out, uh, but it's a cooking show. And I host it with a really talented chef Ludo. He's like this great French chef who has restaurants in LA and also Denver. Um, and basically each episode, six different uh, contestants come and they compete to try to impress Ludo with different rounds. But what they don't understand is that or who they don't, what they don't realize is that one of the guests, one of the competitors is a rat and they're there to sabotage the rest of the dishes. So they're all working together as a team, but they have to figure out who's the person trying to sabotage it. It's kind of cool because you don't know, is the person a rat or are they just a crappy cook? Right. Because some of them are just bad and they have like their grandmother's recipe that wasn't really that good to begin with. So that that's why it doesn't taste good. But most of the time, the rat is successfully sabotaging. So when it tastes bad, is it bad enough that you would actually spit out the food? Oh, that definitely happened. I had raw pork. I had raw shrimp. I mean, I'm Jewish. I'm not even supposed to be eating this stuff, but especially raw. So the first episode, my strategy was to look for the person who I would think would be the least obvious. And then, you know, there's the school of, oh, okay, well, there was a woman who was just talking like nonstop. So it was like, okay, she seems like she really is not a professional. She's she's trying way, way too hard. But then that seemed like, oh, maybe it's obvious that it would be her. I actually picked the guy. You picked the right person? I did. Um, I've worked on a ton of cooking shows. Not that that would make me, you know, someone who would who would know something like this. But do you know, do you guys know, you and Ludo, do you guys know? Or are you learning about no. who the rat That's is? That's what's so fun about it is we don't know. Mm. And then, you know, we're trying to guess also. And so it's like we've asked the producers, like, please don't tell us. Because, like, really only like two or three people know. So... Yeah, so so it's fun for us to guess as well. Um, can you cook? Unfortunately, no, no, I can't. You know, I want someone to put out a recipe book. If something has three ingredients, like then I'm into it. I swear there are three ingredient recipe books out. I'm probably, I'm sure it's out there, right? Like anything you can put on toast points, like that's just what I want to eat. <laughs> but no, yeah. I'm not a good cook. Um, my husband cooks for me, which is good, and. Uh, but now that I've like become a food critic on this show, I'll like critique his food and he doesn't really appreciate that. So now are you a foodie? I'm not exactly sure what that word means, but I guess if it means you like to go to restaurants and, you know, eat fancy food, then yes. I like I like strong flavors. I like, you know, um, I I'll try anything. And, you know, I, I like to go with my daughter and she's four, but she likes, you know, crazy foods and she'll try stuff. And everyone says, well, soon she'll just be eating buttered pasta. So I'm trying to like take advantage of this time right now where she eats like uni and, uh, you know, she's kind of down for whatever she'll try anything. So I, I do appreciate that. I, well, I love, I love the honesty of the show too, because, you know, when sometimes when you've tasted things, you would actually say, oh, this is gross. <laughs> you don't really hear that a lot on cooking shows. You know, everybody kind of is, you know, somewhat on their best behavior when they're critiquing somebody's food. Right. 
So that's yeah, fun. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Well, that, that was one of the appeals of the show is they wanted me to be funny and be myself. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like a straight host, you know, it could be a little more fun. And um, wh- what did you know of Ludo? Because I knew Ludo from, you know, Top Chef Masters and Top Chef and shows like that. Um, so I-, I always thought he was hysterically funny. And sometimes, like, he didn't even know how funny he was. Um, he is funny. And he's also, like, I was a huge fan of his food and didn't even realize it. Like, he had this restaurant called Trois Familia, which was like a French-Mexican restaurant by my house in L.A. And it was so delicious. And I think they closed it down, like, with COVID and... Um, but that was like one of my favorite places to eat and it just had an amazing vibe. And then he had this other restaurant called Tomek that I loved. Um, and his, he's got two restaurants still in LA, Petit Trois, and those are amazing. So like, I just knew he was like such an amazing chef and I followed him on Instagram and then we got to like meet via zoom because it was during COVID and, um, yeah, it just seemed like we would work well together and, you know, it was just really a fun, fun experience. Yeah, you guys have great, great, great chemistry. Yeah, great chemistry. It's really fun. And I was going to ask you, I mean, you kind of answered. I was going to ask you, like, how much time you spent with him prior to actually doing the show. Honestly, I think we only met. We had like three meetings, but they were all over Zoom. (laughs) So he would be in his kitchen cooking over COVID because, you know, people were still ordering takeout. So he would be in his kitchen at his restaurant, Petit Trois, and he'd have his mask on and we would just talk and have these like Zoom meetings. So, so yeah, we were able to like get to know each other. And then I think we finally met during the pilot and yeah, the pilot just worked really great. And it was so fun to just guess that we knew that like, oh, this is going to be fun for everybody to be guessing the rat. And it's also a lot of people have come up to me, like they watch the show with their kids and it's like kind of a family show. Um, they probably cut out anything too dark that I said. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a fun show. It is a fun show. Um, and it's on Thursday nights on TBS. It's called Rat in the Kitchen. Natasha, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let me know when this airs. There you have it. Rat in the Kitchen is on Thursday nights on TBS. Sue, uh, it's, you've got a lot of experience in cooking shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like everybody's trying to find a new twist on them, right? Absolutely. Everybody's trying to do something funny with cooking. I mean, I think that's kind of the holy grail of of uh, of, of cooking shows these days, you know, um, and it's not it's not easy to do. But this was a great this is a great hook. And, you know, it's the casting is great. Yeah, you, ha- you have a great premise. Um, Ludo is great. She's great with him. She's real funny. She's real quick. And she has a you know, a certain type of of attitude um, with the chefs and with him as well, you know, yeah, which, yeah. which is fun. Um, and it's just a great premise. Yeah, it is a good premise. It's a good premise. Thursday night's TBS. Definitely check it out. Rat in the kitchen. Uh, Sue, don't forget to, to subscribe. Although I think I'm talking to you. You have subscribed, right? Yes, I have. I think by now. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe to the culture pop podcast. Uh, and you can do that on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And please leave us a rating and a review. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.